Lecture topic. The protected one. From the fitnas, how does he protect himself? How does he save himself? These questions that the Sahaba Ikram, Ridwanullah Ali Majma'in asked Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam. This too, it gives us a very clear picture of what was their heart all about. What a person speaks, what he says, what he asks, this reflects what is inside his heart. That's what brought that question to the tongue. And the Sahaba Ikram, despite being the personalities that they were, Allah Ta'ala having blessed them with that great position and having received the glad tidings of the Maghfirat and the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala while they were walking on earth. But despite that, they were not unconcerned. They were not unmindful. And these questions that they asked, this is a very clear reflection of that concern in their hearts. One is a person, mashallah, performing his five times salah. He's also making some tilawat of the Quran Sharif. He's making some zikr, tasbihat. And together with that, mashallah, if a person is even doing something over and above that, he is participating in some efforts of deen, helping people, whatever it might be. So generally, <coughs> such a person himself also, starts regarding himself as well. I, alhamdulillah, I'm fine. Indeed, all these amal are fundamental and extremely important. But if I'm doing these amal and I start regarding myself as fine also, purely on this basis that, alhamdulillah, I'm doing it, Allah's fazal, that shukar. But if I'm regarding myself as fine, that is definitely not fine. That is very dangerous now. That a person has already signed off his own entry into Jannat. That I'm okay. Has this been accepted in the court of Allah Ta'ala or not? And this is the thing that I was supposed to be doing. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing it. The tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala. But other things that I should also be refraining from which are in my life. What about my inner self, my heart, what's going on in there? So we tend to become complacent, become lax. Our heart also goes in that mode. I start thinking myself as good. So the questions that I may ask somebody also will be based on that. On my own perception about myself. It will already be that now, mashallah, when I finally get to Jannat, inshallah, so every mu'min has that, not just hope, it is inshallah a very deep, Great hope from Allah Taala that Allah Taala will keep us going steadfast on Deen on Iman, take us on Iman. That's our hope, our du'a. We should keep begging for it. But can we sign off our own entry into Jannat? But the Sahaba Ikram, they were of a different caliber. Ibn Abi Mulaika rahimahullah, he says, I met seventy Sahaba, one by thirty Sahaba. Kulluhum yakhafu ala nafsihi an nifaq. Everyone, now he's meeting one person, maybe if he spoke, somebody spoke to two, three people at the same time, so you say, okay, well, one person said it, so the other person also now just, he also just re- re- repeated that. You're meeting 30 people at different times, somebody today, somebody one week later, somebody in a different place, and the same question is being posed to each one, 
or the same conversation is being engaged with each one and it emerges that each one has this particular concern and fear about himself. Kulluhum yakhafu ala nafsihi an-nifaq Each one is worried that I am a munafiq. He's doing it. Subhanallah, what can we imagine what the Sahaba were performing and fulfilling and to what extent they were doing what they were doing. But at the same time their hearts were trembling. Their hearts were full of concern. Whatever I'm doing, but is it going to count for anything on the day of Qiyamah? Will it get accepted? Allah Ta'ala's fazal, Allah's karam comes, Allah Ta'ala's special mercy comes, it will get accepted. What will that happen for me? So th- this concern in their hearts reflected, was reflected in the questions they asked. And hadiths are filled with the kind of questions the Sahaba would ask. One Sahabi came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Qulli fil Islami qawlan la as'alu anhu ahadan ba'dak. Now can you imagine how his heart was consumed? I need to just latch on to something. I don't have the capacity to absorb too many details and go into too much of depth. I'm a very, maybe simple person. I'm not capable of going into the very, very deep details of things. But I can't afford to fall behind. I can't afford to get left on the wayside somewhere. I need to latch on to something very firmly. So he asked Nabi Wasallam such a question which if this question was posed to somebody else he would be baffled what to answer. Kulli fil islami qawlan la as'alu anhu ahadan ba'dak that give me something, tell me something in deen that I don't ever have to ask anybody anything after you again. Can we imagine now what kind of answer somebody is going to give? But after all the question was posed to none other than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with that mojiza and miracle of being jawami'ul kalim. That if somebody could make, pose such a concise question, but the question is obviously very relatively easy to pose. The question doesn't require too much knowledge. Obviously a good question will emanate from knowledge. But the answer, the answer requires oceans of knowledge. Depending on how concise the question is, that how much more knowledge is required to give such an answer. And Allah Ta'ala had blessed Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with the mojiza and miracle that he could put the oceans into, let, a tea, let alone a teacup in a teaspoon. He responded and said to him, Qul amantu billah, thummastaqim. He asked the question in one line, Nabi Islam gave it, him, gave it the answer to him in half a line. Say, Amantu Billah, bring Iman, Thummastaqim, then remain firm on that Iman, on all the dictates of that Iman. The things that have to be done with the Iman, Iman dictates of you, and what Iman dictates must be refrained from. But if you stick on to that, you'll get to your destination. One Sahabi comes and asks, Tell me something, Ma yuqarribuni min al-jannah, wa yuba'iduni min al-nar. Tell me something that will bring me close to Jannah and keep me, distance me away from the fire of Jahannam. Can you imagine? This is a reflection of their hearts. Worried, I don't want to be close to Jahannam also. And who is the Sahaba? But that worry didn't go away. That concern didn't go away. What if I'm doing something that's taking me closer to Jahannam and distancing me from Jannah? 
So I need to find out what's going to bring me closer to Jannah and distance me away from Jahannam. So Rasulullah in all these occasions, these are just some examples of questions reflecting the hearts of the Sahaba Ikram. That what concern they had, what figure they had, and how full of this consciousness they were, that their hearts were not unmindful, their hearts were not engrossed in dunya. So in any case, Hazrat Uqba bin Amir he is also asking a question. And the question is, Man Najat. How does a person gain safety and salvation from the fitnas of all sorts? Now why is he so concerned about this? Because if you get trapped into this, then the destination of Jannah might be lost. And if it's not entirely lost, then too it's a very big problem to go via any other route. Allah forbid Allah Ta'ala protects us that a person, Allah's Fazal, Alhamdulillah, he leaves with the wealth of Iman, but if he didn't gain his forgiveness and he got caught up in various vices and sins, then he has to end up going through the cleansing process of Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. We can't bear the heat of the sun for a few minutes, whereas the sun is so many thousands of miles, millions of miles away from us, 180,000 miles, whatever, and we can't bear the heat of the sun for a few minutes. What will be the position of the fire of Jahannam? The fire of dunya, fire of dunya we can't bear for a few seconds. For one second. The fire of Jahannam is stated in the Hadith is 70 times more intense than the fire of dunya. So how can anybody ever think, no, no, well finally if I'm going to get to Jannah, what does it matter if I'm just going to have to go via this? Na'uzubillah. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So the issue is that the Sahaba were very concerned. How does a person save himself from all the fitnas and whatever? So now if somebody had to ask us this question, we would think about now what, what to tell him. After all, what do we know really? But Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he was a recipient of wahi. He had seen Jannat and Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala showed him. And the reality is all in front of him. Things that we might regard as sometimes trivial. We might regard as just minor. But he had seen the realities of things. We regard it as trivial and minor because of our understanding. Because we don't know what the reality is. The Sheikh Sadi Rahmatullah, one very famous incident of his, says his mother, these are all parables, his mother gave him one ring, very valuable ring. So now he, a little child, he had that ring on and he went out. So one person saw this ring on this child's hand, he says, this, this, is a, this child obviously knows nothing about what's this ring all about. Very precious ring. So he went and bought something like, what? For example, now is an ice cream. He told the child, you want this ice cream? A child tasted ice cream. Tasted ice cream. He said, you want the ice cream? He said, yes. He said, okay, taste this ring. No taste. Taste the ice cream. Give me the ring, I'll give you the ice cream. He had no idea of the reality. He took the ring and he gave it away. And he took the ice cream. So now later in life he's regretting. That person obviously disappeared with it. So, when the reality is not known, that child, what does he knows the reality? So for him, this is just one piece of metal. And this ice cream is more precious. So he regarded it as nothing. Likewise, the other side of things. Sometimes some things are very harmful. 
very detrimental, destructive, destructive to a person's being, destructive to his dunya. We don't realize it. We don't know the realities of things. So Allah's Nabi is being posed with this question, Man Najat. So now obviously when he is going to be giving an answer, is not based on some surface knowledge, on some presumption, on some assumption, on something, well, since somebody asked something, now I must say something. No, 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 no. Allah, Nabi Wasallam, there was nothing futile, nothing just by the way. That will be our case. Somebody asks us something, no matter what it might be. It might be the world politics, or it might be something to do with some very, very intricate matter of economics. Or it might be something to do with deen, which is even a more sensitive, the most sensitive thing. Whether I know anything or not, but if somebody asks me, I must say something. Whether it is right or wrong, that's a different matter. Whether I have any knowledge about it or not, tell if world politics I said something, and if I had no idea what I'm talking about, and I said something that doesn't make any sense, then too it's not going to hurt the whole world, it's not going to hurt anybody in the world. Not a problem. It's a problem in the sense that it's wasting time. And it is this kind of thing when a person must keep saying something, then he's going to fall also somewhere. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala this is his statement, Man kasura kalamuhu kasura sakatuhu. The person who speaks a lot, he'll slip a lot. The person who always must have something to say, so now he speaks a lot. The person who speaks a lot, He'll slip a lot. And the person who slips a lot, then his sins will also be a lot. A person spoke two, three sentences. In the two, three sentences, the chance he'll make one mistake. Maybe nothing, maybe one mistake, two mistakes at the most. But a person spoke 20 sentences, the chance he'll make five mistakes, ten mistakes. If he's a person who slips, he's going to slip more the more he speaks. The possibilities of slipping are more in the amount he's going to speak. So, man kasura sakatuhu kasura zunubuhu. Or man kasura zunubuhu kalla hayauhu. And the person who keeps falling into sin, gradually his shame leaves him. Because now he then becomes, so to say within himself, becomes immune to the wrong he's doing. He just takes it like nothing. Somebody had never ever done a certain wrong, whatever that vice might be. He had never done it before. And now somehow, Shaitan got him into a trap and he fell into that matter. Now he will be feeling like a mountain on him. He fell into it, but now he realized his folly now. When he realized his folly, it will be like a mountain on him. And he'll be extremely ashamed. And he'll be very remorseful and regretful. Why? Because that haya is still in the heart. Now he went and did something wrong, something went and interfered with somebody, whatever. But now he realized, what did I do? How could I have done this? And he becomes very, very remorseful, regretful. Because that haya is there. But Allah forbid then he fell into that a second time. That whole feeling of a mountain now will be feeling like a small hill now maybe. And that remorse and regret from 250 degrees or 290 degrees that will be now about maybe 150 degrees. 
And gradually when he falls into it again, and then again, and then that will keep dropping, that haya will keep dropping. That regret will drop because the haya is dropping. And then eventually he'll become daring, so-called daring and bold. He'll become blatant. Nobody was worried about what I'm doing. Mind your own business. If you're not uh, feeling good about what I'm saying or doing, you go do something else. Now once upon a time, the same person, he was so embarrassed, so ashamed, feeling like a mountain on him, and hoping nobody comes to know what I have, what I did. And then, sometime later, the same person is saying, my business, you mind your own business, and I'll do what I want. And he's not even bothered, who gets to know what happened. Man the person who keeps falling into sin, not making toba, not coming back to Allah Ta'ala, not crying and shedding tears of repentance, not washing out the defect of that sin, not taking steps to establish that toba in his life, and make that toba very firm, so that one is, obviously Allah Ta'ala will forgive a person that he has made sincere toba, he has really, truly, sincerely repented, fulfilling the conditions of Tawbah, Allah will forgive him. But to have istiqamat on that Tawbah, to remain steadfast on that Tawbah, that requires additional efforts. That requires additional steps. The famous hadith about the person who committed 99 murders and then finally committed the 100th murder, and then he got still that something was troubling him, he came to some pious knowledgeable person, first time round he went to an Abid, he told him, you committed 99 murders, no hope for you, he said, rather you join them too, killed him also. But then something was still bothering him, he finally went to an Alim and asked him, he said, look, nothing can come between you and Allah Ta'ala. So one was already, this remorse and regret in his heart was already Tawbah. But he said, look, you want to really be genuine about it, you can't stay here, you're going to have to leave from here and go to the other place. This place, which was called Fajara, going to leave this place and go to the other place, Nasara. And then the well-known Hadith Sharif, he was on his way and then in between his life suddenly came to an end, he passed away and then the Malaika of Rahmat and the Malaika of Azab both came to take his ruh and this, these Malaika are saying, but he was already on the way to this place of piety. And they are saying, no, no, but he just committed hundred murders. So Allah Ta'ala sent another angel, okay, you go and arbitrate. And that Arbitration was going to be based on that where is he closer to? Closer to the place of Toba or closer to the place of sin, where he committed all the sin? If he's going to be closer to the place of Toba, he'll go Jannat. Otherwise, Jahannam. He was closer to the place of sin. But his commitment was genuine. He took the steps towards establishing the Toba. He didn't remain sitting there. He already had made Toba there, because that remorse, regret was Toba. But then he took steps towards establishing the Toba, consolidating it, and making sure that now he remains firm on the Toba. So he walked towards the place of piety. Allah Ta'ala then commanded the earth, that the part of the earth that was to the destination, Allah Ta'ala commanded that part of the earth to contract. And the side of the earth that was from the place of sin, Allah Ta'ala commanded you expand. Allah Ta'ala made the arrangements for him to be closer to the place of Tawbah. 
So a person who will then take the steps, one is, mashallah, he had that remorse, that regret, Allah will forgive him. But he wants to stay away from the wrong, then he's going to have to take additional steps. It's not going to just happen by just having some hopes and just thinking something and just wishing things. No, no, it's going to require effort. It's going to require some, some practical steps. So likewise, this person, mashallah, he had the remorse, the regret, but then to be steadfast on that tawbah, it will require something much more. Otherwise, now that haya has already been lost. That haya has been lost, now to fall in that sin, it's like just a person is standing at the edge. He's standing at the edge of a cliff, one gust of wind might drop him also. It might not require anybody else to come and push him with great force. He's right at the edge. And a gust of wind might just make him lose his balance. So therefore, this is then necessary, that he has to now take advice, take guidance. What else to be done? How to consolidate this toba? So coming back to the Hadith Sharif that we were speaking about, Al-Uqbah bin Amir radiallahu ta'ala he asked this question, Man Najat? And the whole concern was, that we can't afford to get left behind somewhere. Can't afford to get trapped in something that will jeopardize the journey to Jannah. So Rasulullah now responded, and the response, obviously, is in the light of these realities. That Allah's Nabi Wasallam knew better than anybody else. So the first thing that Nabi Wasallam mentioned, Amlik alayka lisanak. That control your tongue. Now again, bearing in mind, that we are talking about, that this is the answer that Rasulullah gave. The answer to a very, very concise question. Very serious question. Very crucial question. And the personality that is responding is somebody who is not doing any guesswork. He's not saying something on a presumption. He's not saying something just for the sake of saying it. He is saying what is reality. He is saying what he has seen the reality of. Meaning the consequences of the good that the tongue can do, he's seen the reality of that. And the consequences of the evil of the tongue, what harm it can cause in akhirat, what terrible punishments are in store for the person who has misused that tongue. He has seen that reality with his Mubarak eyes. And now with that whole reality in front of him, Rasulullah is now responding, top of the list, number one, ablik alayka lisanak, control your tongue. Hazrat Ma'az ibn Jabal radiallahu ta'ala on one occasion Rasulullah gave the same advice of controlling the tongue. So Hazrat Ma'az was a bit surprised because this was now still everything was coming one thing at a time, everything was new for them. But he was still surprised at this. Surprised because normally the thinking is that you end up in doing something meaning you cross the line by committing some harm to somebody. So now you commit some harm, so how you commit some harm to somebody? You use your hand to commit some harm. You do something physically to somebody, that is what will cause the harm to someone. But the concept initially was not understood that you can commit harm to somebody verbally also. So he therefore asked that, are we going to be anu akhadu bima the, the things that we have spoken, are we going to be taken to task for that also? Are we going to be taken to task for what we have spoken? 
Rasulullah said in reply that will anything else throw people into Jahannam apart from the harvest of their tongues meaning the thing that will throw people most into Jahannam most people end up in it because of what they spoke the careless words the hurtful things the vulgarity the ghibat the lying the obscenity and the harm that the tongue can cause the hand also can't cause in fact all the most advanced weaponry also can't cause it the most advanced weaponry, missiles and whatever it can't cause the harm that the tongue can cause a person sitting here with all the modern weaponry and whatever else he might have but somebody sitting in another corner of the world he can't do anything with all this futile he's sitting 50,000 miles away or 10,000 miles away he doesn't have that ability to now use that weaponry to cause any harm to somebody sitting in another continent somewhere but the tongue he can call him and start harming him with the tongue from here so the harm that the tongue can cause is beyond all this modern weaponry too the tongue is not restricted by any barriers and that is why Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to say that something that is deserving of being put behind bars for a lengthy period something that is worthy of being thrown behind bars put behind bars for a lengthy period is the tongue and he says the bars are the teeth keep it behind the, the tongue behind the teeth meaning control the tongue a person behind bars now so he's restricted so now that's all that's the message he's giving that imprison the tongue use it for what's good that if there's something good to say man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir fal yaqul khair awliyasmut that if there's something good to say you should say it that's better than keeping quiet if there's something good to say you should say it it's better than keeping quiet but if he doesn't have anything good to say awliyasmut then he should keep quiet and if he's not sure doesn't have clarity on the matter that will just fall on the side of good will become a problem then he rather err on the side of caution he rather err on the side of caution and refrain from saying what he might not be sure about which side it will fall and this is that message that is being given here control your tongue this doesn't mean a person will not speak but he has to train himself to speak that which is within the limits what is good what is beneficial and then what is within the limits certain things might not necessarily <coughs> be part of ibadat itself but sometimes a good intention in it will also earn reward it might follow permissible thought but there is a proper intention in it and it is within the limits that too may become a means of reward but then when something is going to cross the line going to hurt somebody, cause harm to someone that becomes a major problem for a person it causes problems in dunya and it will become a problem in the cover Allah Ta'ala save us, problem of the day of Qiyamah so the first lesson Nabi Salaam gave Amlik alayka lisanak control your tongue and then 
will Let your home be sufficient for you. Let your home be sufficient for you. Meaning don't venture out of the home unnecessarily. So the first one was related to the tongue. So the tongue to whoever person is, he has to control it. And often the tongue is controlled sometimes more outside the house than inside the house. Outside the house a person has to maintain his respect in front of everybody. Now there is a very very noble person, person of high standing, person who is very respected in society, person who has a lot of influence and position now, so now he has to maintain a decorum. But now indoors, indoors I don't need to maintain any kind of uh, position in front of anybody, so now I don't need to bother how I speak. Whereas that is the biggest zulm sometimes that is committed. So outdoors, if a person is careful, he must be careful outdoors for Allah Ta'ala. And if he's careful indoors, he must be careful for Allah Ta'ala. Because the same Allah he worships outside, the same Allah he worships inside. The same Allah has to answer for the day, two on the day of Qiyamat. And the same Allah will ask us about how we spoke indoors and how we spoke outdoors also. So that is an extremely important thing that wherever a person is and with whoever he is interacting because this is a very great na'mat of Allah Ta'ala also and at the same time and this is a, like a general principle that the extent to which something is very very precious and valuable to that extent it is so much more sensitive and difficult sometimes to Look after it. If something is of small value, you leave it lying outside too, nobody's going to pick it up. And something of high value is locked up inside the house too, but the person still worried. Because it's so, more, so much more in danger. So likewise the tongue, all the limbs Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with, every limb is priceless. Yunus bin Ubaid, rahimahullah, very great pious person, one person came and he's complaining, this complaint, that problem, this problem, and I'm down and out and I have nothing, and I, this problem. Eventually he asked him that, you are prepared to give me your eyes for so much, 200,000? He said, how can I do this? And this for so much, 500,000, and one hand for thousand, so many thousand. So when he carried on saying, how can I give you this? He says, you see, you are down and out and have nothing. But you are already confessing and acknowledging that just in your limbs you have what is priced. I gave you some numbers on it, some figures I put to it, but it's actually priceless. And you say, no, no, how can you ever part with this for even a million? Which means you have billions in you. But have you made shukr to Allah Ta'ala for it? So this is, every limb is priceless. But if one considers that nevertheless the limbs also all have different levels of benefit to insan if he lost his small finger it's also a loss it's a big loss and it will be affecting many things but the harm of losing that small finger is not in any way comparable to the harm of a person losing his tongue this too is a loss definitely and a big loss and there's no way that this can be paid for but nevertheless it can't compare to the loss of the tongue. That if a person suddenly loses his ability to speak, he has become completely mute. 
through our worlds of hearts. So obviously this is so much more priceless and so much more valuable. It's so much more important that it be looked after because it's so much more difficult to look after it also. And therefore because this is such a sensitive thing, Allah Ta'ala has provided that bars to look after it inside, that burglar guards and those gates, everything in place. That a person now looks after the tongue inside. So, in any case, the second thing that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said, Let your home be sufficient for you. Home being sufficient, a person, inshallah, will remain in a good environment within his home. He'll get safe from many, many things outside. A person ventures out for unnecessary things. He went out for just passing time. But Allah forbid, in that passing time, his whole future got derailed. He went to pass time. His whole future got derailed because he got caught up in something. And what not can happen? Necessity is a necessity, but that to a person goes with concern. He goes with keeping in mind Allah Ta'ala is watching, Allah is aware, keeping the zikr of Allah Ta'ala on the tongue, keeping the gaze lowered, keeping the heart conscious. So in this way he'll protect himself with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala. So wal yasa'aka baytuk. But provided that that bait is the sanctuary that it should be. If the person brings all the dangers from outside inside his house, then that's not going to be much different to being outside. So the second thing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned was And the third aspect was ki ala khati'atik and kai over your sins. If a person holds on to these things, then this is the means of najat. Now we are already in this Mubarak time closing on to the Mubarak month of Ramadan Allah Ta'ala keep us to witness the Mubarak month of Ramadan Allah Ta'ala grant us this opportunity but this should now become our preparation for Ramadan and if we latch on to this this will inshallah pave the way for a very good manner in which Ramadan will pass very constructively, very productively because now from now the person is learning to control his tongue keeping himself within limits that is where the biggest problem happens in Ramadan also. The person is fasting too, but now his tongue hasn't stopped. So he lost his fast because of his tongue. The person, month of Ramadan now, and now he makes the month of Ramadan the excuse. And now he starts fighting with this person and swearing at that person. And then he says, the fast got him. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. The fast has come to bring him closer to Allah Ta'ala. He is obeying his nafs. And then he's saying the fast, he's blaming the fast for his wrong. He should be saying that shaitan got him, the nafs got him. Now is blaming the fast. So why? Because the training didn't happen from before. So now the same thing is carrying on in Ramadan too. His fast is getting lost, his tarawih is gone. And then besides that, he's still caught up in all these things. So now if that training starts off from now, inshallah by the time the Mubarak month of Ramadan comes, now there will be that tertib in place. Because now if a person speaks less, he'll have more time to start giving towards amal. More time for tilawat of the Quran Shari, for tasbihat, for zikr, for various other amal. So this is the aspect to now focus on. Among the things that are important in this regard, we start cutting out unnecessary things, too much of unnecessary gatherings and so on. And chatting. All this unnecessary chatting, social media, whatever. If this starts getting curtailed now and start dwindling it completely, maybe by the time Shaban comes it's gone, 
Inshallah, by the time Ramadan comes, that time will already be filled with lots of amal, which will then build up in Ramadan. So this is what we need to focus towards, and Inshallah, Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq, that we start building up the momentum of Ramadan from now. Inshallah, by the time the month of Ramadan comes, Allah Ta'ala give us life and give us health, that we will then be able to make the best use of that Mubarak time, and earn the maximum. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين. ഹുമ്മദം <coughs>
اللہ جل جلالہ نوالہ اللہ 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 محمد الرسول اللہ صلی اللہ تبارک و تعالی علیہ وسلم اللہم لکا الحمد کلہ و لکا شکر کلہ اللہم لا نحصیتنا عن علیک انت کما اثنیت عنا نفسك جز اللہ عنا نبینا محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم بما هو اہل ربنا غلمنا انفسنا و علم تخفل لنا و ترحمنا لنکونن من الخاسرین رب اغفر وارحم وعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم انك انت العز الاكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم ثبتنا على الايمان وامتنا على الايمان واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك اللهم حبب إلينا الإيمان وزينه في قلوبنا وكره إلينا الكفر والفسوق والعسيان وجعلنا من الراشدين اللهم بارك لنا في رجبه وشعبان وبلغنا رمضان اللهم بارك لنا في رجبه وشعبان وبلغنا رمضان إله العالمين يا الله أمس مصف المس غريشس مسكاين مسلمين الله إله العالمين يا الله فقيف أسي الله يا الله فقيف أولو ميجين فينا السنة يا الله فقيف أو فاميز يا الله فقيف أو فرنز ونلتز يا الله فقيف دنتاية أمة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا الله ميكس يو أبيدين سوانس يا الله ميكس يو غريتفول سوانس يا الله إله العالمين ميكس يو لويل سوانس يا الله ميكس دي لويل أمتيز رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إله العالمين keep us steadfast on thee يا الله Save us from all the sins and vices, Ya Allah. Cleanse our hearts out of all the evils, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, protect us from all the vices, Ya Allah. Protect us from all the fitnas, Ya Allah. Protect our families, Ya Allah. Protect the entire ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. 
Ya Allah, fill our hearts with Iman, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your Muhammad, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the love of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Fill our hearts with the love of Deen, Ya Allah. With the love of the A'mal of Deen, Ya Allah. With the love of the efforts of Deen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, accept us in our progeny till Qiyamah for the khidmat of Deen, with ikhlas and afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alameen, Ya Allah, throughout the world, wherever the Muslims are in suffering, Ya Allah. Remove their pain and suffering, Ya Allah. Remove their hardships and difficulties, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we acknowledge whatever hardships are there, Ya Allah, is due to our sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us and forgive the entire Ummah, Ya Allah. Grant us and the entire Ummah the tawfiq of those amal that bring down your rahmat, Ya Allah. Save us from all that which bring down azab, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove all the viruses and illnesses, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, grant shifai kamila to all those who are ill, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us, Ya Allah, health of iman, Ya Allah. Spiritual health, Ya Allah. Grant us physical health, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, cleanse our hearts out of all the diseases of the heart, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, Ya Allah. We are so concerned, Ya Allah, of all the external illnesses, Ya Allah. But we have forgotten all the internal illnesses, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove the pride, Ya Allah. Remove the malice and jealousy, Ya Allah. Remove the love of the ego, Ya Allah. Remove the love of dunya, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, put the aspirations of akhirat in our hearts, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, fill our hearts with all the noble and beautiful qualities, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, Ya Allah, grant us a tawfiq of performing our five times salah with jama'ah, Ya Allah. With khushu and khudu, Ya Allah. Such a salah with which you are pleased with, Ya Allah. Enable us to recite the Quran Sharif daily, Ya Allah. Enable us to make your zikr daily, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your remembrance, Ya Allah. Let our tongues be moist with your zikr all the time, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, enable us to reach the Mubarak month of Ramadan, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us barakat in these Mubarak months, Ya Allah. And Ya Allah, make us such that, Ya Allah, our forgiveness is achieved, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, grant us that connection with you, Ya Allah. Grant us the nisbat of the Uliya Siddiqeen, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, Ya Allah, all those who have passed away, make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Raise their stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, Ya Allah, all those who asked us to make dua for them, all those who have raised their hands to this dua, and Allah, fulfill each one's jaya's needs, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, grant the best of dunya and akhirat to each one, Ya Allah. Ilahu l'alamin, Ya Allah, all that we have asked for, granted to us, Ya Allah. What we should have asked for and did not ask, Ya Allah, granted to us, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna anas'aluka min khayri ma sa'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa na'udhu bika min sharri musta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وسابق معين والحمد لله